Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Hello, Gotham. Joker's back in town. I'm not wearing hockey pants. And now you're listening to the new and improved Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast with your host, Alfred. No! What is going on, OTC listeners? Another episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast is in your life today. We are back on a Monday night. And dare I say, holy shit, what a very interesting weekend it was that just passed through. First of all, I completely forgot that September 12th, literally this past Saturday, was the second part of DC Fandom. So, if you're one of the guys that completely missed it, I completely missed it as well. But I had good reason. I had good reason. I had the voiceover, the evocation. It was a convention. It was my very first convention for voiceover that I was a part of all weekend. And I was extremely happy that I was a part of it. I got to uh, meet so many new people. I got to learn so much. And holy shit, was the information overwhelming. And it was at a point where I was consuming so much sugar uh, in order to help me stay awake. And then it was one of the panels that I slowly began to crash a little bit. I'm like, oh, fuck. I need to drink some water. I need some water. I need some water now. Holy shit. But nonetheless, I was thankful. I was. It was an honor. It was a privilege. And it just motivates me to do so much more with voiceover, succeeding in my own business, to do what I do, to do what I love, and so on and so forth. And of course, tomorrow and a few days after, maybe a couple of weeks next week, I have no idea when, but I'll be continuing my steps in order for me to do what I love in the world of voiceover. Commercials, narration, it doesn't matter. It's a journey, it's a hell of a journey, but it's a challenge that I definitely embrace. So, once I know more, once I do more, you'll know more. And continuing on with what went on with everything that, you know, in terms of comic book stuff and everything else, it's like, I know I'm not going to touch briefly in terms of what I heard from the DC fandom, the second part. I do know that Doom Patrol is getting a season three. Woohoo! Yeah, Doom Patrol! I, I just want to sing this song now. You know, from Paw Patrol. Doom Patrol, Doom Patrol, here right on the double. Doom Patrol, Doom Patrol. Okay, I'll stop. (laughs) Fucking A. But I also heard that apparently Harley Quinn, it's very hard for her to get her third season one. The DC's Harley Quinn. Because for some odd reason, they have a lot of uh, budget situations going on behind the scenes. So... That kind of sucks. And of course, Justice League, the Zack Snyder cut, is apparently getting a new title. Which, at this point, does it really matter? We know what it is. We know when it's coming out. Okay, it has a big... It has a, a secret title. Big fucking deal, you know? I, I'm sorry to any one of you Snyder Cut fans, but... Again, we're going to see the movie. Or the four-hour iterations. We're going to see it. So... It's all good. It's all good nonetheless. I know I rambled on and on about this, but let's get into the meat of this podcast right now. This episode of the podcast, we are going to dive into Kang the Conqueror. 
he has been casted finally and apparently he'll be making his MCU debut on Ant-Man 3? Hmm. I kind of have a theory on that. And of course, the second piece, I'm going to touch briefly on what I think about the Marvel Avengers game thus far. No, I have not finished it, so it is not a spoiler-filled review. Other people have finished it before I did, but it's what I think so far, and depending on when I finish the game, I could be right or wrong in my analysis. All that plus our supervillain quote of the day, but first, like we always do about this time, let's get our shoutouts out of the way. And first and foremost, main shoutout goes to, by the way, FYI, not sponsored, I am not sponsored by them, but I looked at their products and it was fucking cool. Hayabusa. Last year, they introduced their new awesome fucking boxing gloves where you can go into the gym and do whatever you gotta do to pound that fucking thing into a bloody pulp. And you got your fucking awesome gloves from Marvel themselves. You got Iron Man. You got Captain Marvel. You got Captain America. You got the Punisher. And you even have... Rest in peace to Black Panther. And I know there's been a lot more people now that have gotten the Black Panther gloves as a detriment and as an honor to him. And chances are I'm going to get mine too. But of course, in addition to all of that, they just introduced three new gloves for Venom. So if you're a symbiote lover, if you're a Spider-Man guy, and if you love an anti-hero, you can get the Venom gloves. Oh my god, does it look fucking awesome. If you want the mighty Thor, and you want to swing that fucking glove like Thor swings his fucking hammer, you can get that too. Or, if you don't like any of that, you can actually get the Hulk, where he's busting out in his purple pants, his stretchy fucking purple shorts. It don't matter. If you want to feel like the Hulk, you can feel like the Hulk. So you can get one of eight fucking gloves, man. Eight fucking gloves. They are a little pricey, but it is Hayabusa. They are top of the line, one of the top of the line fight, combat, sporting awesome boxing gloves. 12 ounce, 16 ounce, it don't matter. Once again, not sponsored by them. I just think their products are cool and I definitely have a few on my list for Christmas coming. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. That's all we have for the shout-out. Let's go into some Kang the Conqueror talk. And that starts right in a bit. So when I heard that Jonathan Majors, to some people he's a big time actor, would be casted as Kang, I thought to myself, wait, who? What? Wait, what? 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 By the way, every time when I do that, that what? 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 I'm actually quoting my best friend that I grew up with, my brother. Uh... <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna give out names. Uh, names here, cause you know I don't. I don't want him to people to attack him or you know message him randomly. But if he listens to his podcast, dude, fuck it. I'm just gonna take that. What? 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 
<laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's funny to me. It really is. But anyway, when Jonathan Majors, when I heard that he's been casted, I'm like, who the hell is this guy and why does this name sound familiar? So, of course, I looked upon, you know, his recent work and apparently he's been in a lot of things. He's been, you know, just to name off a few, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, The Five Bloods, Lovecraft Country, White Boy Rick, Captain State, Hostiles, When We Rise, Jungle Land, Out of Blue, Gully, and Do Not Disturb. Apparently, that's, you know, pretty much the gist of his work. And aside from The Five Bloods, I've never really seen any of his work. So, if the MCU... Or if the casting director or whoever it is that's picking him as Kang the Conqueror. Apparently, they must have really good faith in him. Because to pull off a villain like this, like Kang himself. And I'm going to talk more about who Kang is. Since there are a few of you that have no idea who the hell I'm talking about. But for them to pull off such a character like this. That means not only must he be in the type of movie that has to have longevity for Marvel Phase 4, 5, possibly 6, but he has to have some kind of charisma, some kind of enigmatic presence to him where, yeah, this guy is really not to be fucked with if you truly, truly think about it, you know? And before I continue on, there are a few people that are like, who the fuck is Kang the Conqueror? Well, I... I want to give a little bit of a synopsis in terms of who he is, and I want to try my very, very best to not spoil the potential film for Ant-Man 3, even though it is highly expected for a lot of hardcore comic book nerds and fans. It's at the point where you're like, okay, certain people love watching the movies, don't read the comic books, or vice versa, so... I'm going to give off as much as I can without spoiling too much. So, who is Kang the Conqueror? Well, he's a conqueror! Obviously. He's the type of guy that basically, as I just said, he's not one to be fucked with. He's an interdimensional, fucking time-hopping warlord. And he does it for sport, he does it for the hell of it, he does what he wants, whenever he wants, with nobody telling him what the fuck to do. So, I wouldn't say he's like Thanos, because Thanos had a very specific agenda to, you know, equalize balance. You know, get rid of half the population in the entire universe. That was his shtick, that was his goal. When in the comic books, in reality, Thanos was actually trying to impress Lady Death, or Death itself. He was fascinated with death, right? Kang the Conqueror is a little bit different. Kang the Conqueror is basically someone that loves to control, that loves to conquer shit, that likes to take over, whether it's worlds, timelines, it doesn't matter. That's who he is. Throughout the history of his comic books, he's been known by many, many names. King Tut, which there was at one point that he was in ancient Egypt. I believe he was some kind of Nathaniel Richards or something like that. He was, he was known by many, many names. And he was, in a particular way, viewed off as a, as a deity, so to speak. To many, many people that either worshipped uh, worshipped him or feared 
against him. As I said, this is not someone to be trifled or fucked with in any way, shape, or form. And to not give... I'm pretty sure I'm going to get ridiculed because I gave off a little bit more than I wanted to. To ensure that I do not, in a particular way, ruin what may happen in Ant-Man 3, let's just say he has a very, very strong, very strong connection to the Fantastic Four and X-Men. That's all I want to say when it comes to this character. Let me repeat myself. He has a strong connection to the Fantastic Four and X-Men. We've talked in these episodes over and over in terms of what character in the MCU can potentially bring certain characters from certain, you know, storylines or certain groups You know, ever since Disney and Fox made the merger deal and Disney bought out Fox, we wanted to ask ourselves, we did ask ourselves, okay, how can the X-Men and the Fantastic Four be introduced in the MCU? And I had many thoughts, as well as many other people did, I had many thoughts that were maybe, just maybe, Scarlet Witch could potentially bring forth the X-Men considering the fact that she's a mutant herself. Her and... Quicksilver are the children of Magneto. So it only makes sense for someone like her to bring forth the X-Men in some way, shape, or form. Not to mention, I do somehow truly, truly believe that WandaVision, the new TV show that will be coming up soon, hopefully they'll finish by the end of this year, hopefully, that they're going to introduce the House of M storyline. And not to mention, she's going to be teaming up with Doctor Strange in Doctor Strange 2, the Multiverse of Madness. So chances are, if they deal with the multiverse, then maybe they can deal with the X-Men in their world. So, I thought that maybe she would possibly be the person, and she still could be. She still could be the main person to bring forth the X-Men or somehow introduce the X-Men for the audience for the MCU. But, at this point... I will happily take Kang the Conqueror as well. And if not the X-Men, then maybe a few mutants. You know, a few bad guys. Maybe, I don't know, Apocalypse? You know? I mean, how badass would it be if we get an MCU version of Apocalypse? Ooh, boy, that'd be fucking awesome. Ooh, that that would be swell. (laughs) We use that word anymore, swell. (laughs) But in every case, I think... Kang the Conqueror can have the potential to introduce these characters in some way, shape, or form. And he is one of the most badass villains ever that can literally fuck almost anyone up. So if he's going to be the main bad guy for the MCU, and if he's going to be introduced in this movie, if he's going to be one of the main bad guys for like Marvel Phase 5 or something, in addition to, and this is my guess, this is not confirmed, but if they're introducing Galactus, or somehow they bring in the Silver Surfer, or maybe somehow they have, you know, Doctor Doom, for example? I mean, why the fuck not? Why the hell not? You know, maybe they can introduce him... Or reintroduce him in a particular Secret War storyline? Eh? Eh? You never know? This is what I love about 
you know, the potential of these comic book movies is the fact that possibilities are endless and we just don't know what can happen. We can guess. We can always guess. We can hypothesize. We can theorize that certain things can happen based on characters and their storylines. We're just going to have to see the execution. And that's what it's important. It's the execution that really counts. Now, why Ant-Man? I know there are a lot of people, I saw the memes and the tweets on Twitter and Facebook and the naysayers and the trolls and everybody else that is like, really? Ant-Man? I mean, the first movie was decent, the second movie was eh. Ant-Man? You're gonna introduce him in Ant-Man 3? And then I thought about it, I'm like, okay, Kevin Feige and the directors, they would not do this for no reason. I mean, yes, granted, there's been a lot of choices within the MCU, Thor, <clears throat> Captain Marvel, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> uh, you know, Thor 2, <clears throat> uh, oh, I think I got something stuck in my throat. <clears throat> in any case, <laughs> in any case, why Ant-Man, you know, a little guy that can potentially face off against a powerful opponent like Kang the Conqueror? And I have my theory on that. You know, for one thing, Hank Pym, the original Ant-Man, did introduce to the audience the idea that the quantum realm definitely exists. And of course, the characters use the quantum realm for time traveling, and Scott Lang did introduce the possibility and the execution of the time heist for Avengers Endgame. So what if everything is connected? What if Kang the Conqueror somehow is so pissed off in some way, shape, or form that, you know, people are now traveling through time and now things that are happening in one world is happening differently in another because of the multiverse theory and the fact that everything is branched out differently and now he's passed off because balance is now in disarray and chaos and... Everything else? I mean, this is just my guess, but it's highly possible. Did I just potentially spoil the entire movie? No, it, it can't be that It can't be that easy to figure out. It really can't. God damn, I know I'm going to get ridiculed for this. I really am. But I think that's why they're introducing Kang within the Ant-Man movie. You know, because if that's the case, it's going to have tons of action... It's going to have tons of awesome visual effects. CGI will be all over the place. Because Kang, as I keep mentioning over and over, this dude is not to be fucked with. You don't want to mess with a guy like this. Now, I understand in some aspects that I gave probably one of the most biggest answers that when it comes to Kang the Conqueror. If you want to learn more about him, by all means, go on YouTube. Go on, you know, read a comic book of some kind on Comixology. Shout out to them, by the way. You know, they have good stuff. Comixology or, you know, there are so many people that have way more knowledge about this than I do that are probably in tune with what's going on in Marvel. So, by all means, you can go and listen to them. I know what I know. Am I excited for Kang the Conqueror? Honestly, I am. I think he can potentially pose a huge threat to our Avengers. I wonder in Ant-Man 3, aside from Ant-Man and the Wasp, who else are they going to introduce from the Avengers? 
Maybe from the Young Avengers. Because we know his daughter is all grown up. Which means she probably might debut as herself a hero as well. Hmm. That's something to keep in mind. That is definitely something to keep in mind. But anyway, I spoke on Kang the Conqueror for long enough. Let's go into something else that has been on my mind for a while. The Marvel Avengers game. Now, as I stated earlier, I did not finish the game. I'm the type of guy that does not like to rush through games. Unless I'm extremely bored by them and I just want to get to the ending, I do not like to rush through games. Especially with how my schedule is, with voiceover, podcasting, and working, and you know, spending some time on my own. I don't like to rush through games. I really don't. I'm, I'm just not that guy. So, I know there are tons of other people that have reviewed this to a detail way more than me, but I'm just giving my opinion nonetheless. And if my opinion is wrong, again, this is just my speculation. It is my opinion, my two cents. Here we go. Marvel Avengers The Game. For one thing, it's baffling to me that a lot of people try to compare this or in a way thought that this game would be up to par to Spider-Man. Now, you have to remember, we got Spider-Man two years ago. Two years ago. And it was one of the most hottest games ever to be sold ever from Sony and Insomniac Games. You also have to understand, with Spider-Man, they were made and produced by Insomniac Games. Batman the Arkham Games was made and produced by Rocksteady. This game is produced by Square Enix. And I did mention at one point before that Square Enix, depending on the game that you're playing, they don't have a great record when it comes to making cohesive games when it comes to storytelling. I mean, you know, a lot of people were somewhat happy and somewhat displeased with the remake of Final Fantasy VII. A lot of people were genuinely pissed off on Kingdom Hearts 3. There's a reason why Kingdom Hearts 2 is possibly the best one out of all of them. And there are some that, you know, look at any Square Enix game. Some have its good moments, other times, not so much. Do you remember the third birthday from like, what, six, seven, eight years ago, something like that, on the PS Vita? Jesus Christ, the third birthday. That was. That was a game that was confusing in and of itself. Something with time paradox and oh my, it, it, it was a mess. It was a mess. But what I'm trying to say is this. Square Enix does not really have a good track record when it comes to their games. They either have bad at storytelling or gaming mechanics or whichever the case may be. There's always something wrong. From what I've seen and what I've played... The only thing that I mostly have a trouble with are the vast controls of the actual game. Granted, yes, I just started and I'm still new. And like I said, this is just my opinion thus far. But I find that the game itself is very, very confusing to figure out in terms of gaming mechanics. Now, I also realize that the game heavily, heavily is influenced and focuses on Miss Marvel, a.k.a. Kamala Khan. Now, I don't know, which is highly possible, that this is Disney's way of trying to introduce a fan favorite, which I can understand why she's a fan favorite for the audience to have. 
And what I also commend is the fact that this game is its own story. I know a friend of mine asked me, why did they not use the same likeness with the adventures from the MCU like they do in the game? Well, there are limits to that. Sometimes, some games cannot afford to use the usage of the likeness when it comes to certain actors and their faces or facial features. Because if they did, they would have to sign a contract and they have to sign some kind of waveform and then the gaming company would have to pay them a shitload of money just to use their likeness and all of this other stuff that goes on behind the scenes. I'm pretty sure it's one of the main reasons why they didn't do it. Not to mention, let's face it, there have been many cases where a lot of actors don't really make good gaming or video game actors or voice actors, so to speak. A, they either don't have the time. B, they don't have the same restrictive fluidity in a video game like they do in regular acting. You know, there are tons of things that can go wrong. I mean, just a quick example. Remember Spider-Man 2? There was literally a game, I think it was like for GameCube or PlayStation or whichever the case for Spider-Man 2. And they voiced Tobey Maguire's uh, voice and he sounded like dog shit. He, it was so bad where I'm like, oh, dude, just stick to the movies, bro. Oh, just stick to the movies. You, mm-mm, mm-mm, just, mm, that shit made me cringe. Anyway, and continuing on, what was I getting at? Oh, yes, Kamala Khan. It was pretty clear that this was Disney's main intention of introducing Kamala Khan to us as the audience in order for us to prepare for Miss Marvel when she makes her MCU debut. And I can understand why, in a particular way, we would connect to her. In the beginning of the game, and this is not really much of a spoiler, but in the beginning of the game, she's a fangirl. She is like us. She loves the Avengers. She loves going to Comic-Con. She collects comic books. She geeks out so easily. She knows the words by heart. You know, the um, you plant your feet on the ground and you say, no, you move. You know, those type of things. So... I can understand why Disney and Square Enix would choose Kamala Khan for her to resonate with us or for us to resonate with her. Now, this game solely, solely focuses on her since in a particular way, she's the one that brings the Avengers together. So if it wasn't for her, the Avengers would be split apart and they would still be fucked up in their own world. I commend Disney for that. I really do. Because I see that they were trying to make their storyline vastly, vastly different from what went on in the MCU. At the same time, on the flip side of that coin, this might be a little bit of a red flag. For the simple reason, a lot of the majority of the audiences don't really know who Kamala Khan is yet. And if this is our way of being introduced to a character like this before her MCU debut... I, I don't know. I feel like there's some kind of conflict there. You know, because now we know more or less on how Kamala Khan is, which means there's no surprising factor when we see her either in a show or in a movie when she makes her MCU debut. A quick example. They introduced Taskmaster in this game. And now I know more about Taskmaster in this game than I do in the movie. So that was kind of a bummer for me. And I feel like it's kind of a bummer for a lot of people that don't really know who Miss Marvel is yet if they play this game. 
it's 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 a little bit of a it's a little bit of um of a conflict right there. Not to mention, in order to boost up your characters, you're literally stuck spending hours upon hours in each level, in each mode, or in each world, finding scraps. Finding scraps so you can somehow boost up your characters and a lot of the controls in order to find out which one goes with which and, you know, finding specific skins for you to make your character look different. It is fucking confusing. Now, as I just said, and I'm going to keep repeating, I did not finish the game. So chances are my opinion of this whole thing will drastically be different once the game is done. But... For right now, I can honestly say the game is definitely not worth $60 to buy. You're either much better buying it used or you're much better in waiting for the prices to go down or for it to be on next year's Christmas sale on the PlayStation Network. That's that's just the reality of it. Some games, I understand that they're new and the gaming companies need to make a profit. I get that. But some games should not be bought at full price if they are not at their full capacity of it being one of the most greatest games ever made. Someone that is a huge hardcore gamer would probably have a difference of opinion and they would know way more about this than I do. As I said, this is my two cents nonetheless. But that's all we have for today on this episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 Podcast. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening to me rant on and on about what I love, anything related to comic book shit in the world. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can hit me up on OTC Volume 2 on Twitter or on Instagram. Or if you want to hit me up directly, Mike Garcia V. Oh, that is my screen name for my voiceover work because chances are, hopefully, God willing, maybe so, this podcast will be part of my VO work for me to distribute to the rest of the world. Now, before we end this night off, let's go into our super villain quote of the day. And this one, of course, is from Kang the Conqueror. Let's see what he has to say about all of this. Though my own century fears me as the most ruthless conquerors of all time, my triumph is a hollow one so long as the 20th century escapes my tyranny. Put away your childish weapons, they are no more than toys to me. With a roar as loud as time itself collapsing, they arrive. And my reaction to that is, if this guy is indeed the new Thanos, the Avengers are going to have their hands full. Let me rephrase. The new Avengers will have their hands full. Tune in Thursday night where we will talk more comic book related stuff in the world of movies and TV shows. And always remember, if you hear about it and you read about it, I talk about it. Stay safe. Be good. Till next time. I'm done. I'm through. Peace out.